Hey, thanks for checking out Blue by 90. On today's episode, we talk about our top five running backs. Then we transition into some news about players who tested positive for COVID and how that will impact college football moving forward. Uh, then we wrap up with some mich- some news about Michigan versus LSU game possibly coming soon. And then stay tuned for our zero to 90 takes. Thanks and enjoy the show. This is the University of Michigan. Welcome to Blue by 90, your Michigan Wolverines podcast. We are three dudes who talk maize and blue. I'm Kalen, joined by Roe and Jack. Guys, how you doing this morning? Good, man. Beautiful day. Another beautiful day. I feel like we, you know, we, we endured the winter and even the spring was pretty crappy, but um, we've had a couple weeks here in Michigan that have been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah no we complaints. Both- we both successfully went on the boat yesterday and no red face, which is which is great. My arms are a little sunburnt, but but no row uh, tomato faces this week. <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to stay under that five uh, sunburns by what do you say August or something by the, the first game of the year. So I'm trying to keep that under uh, from your zero to ninety last week. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, these are the money makers, though, right, Jack? Like, we got to keep these these fresh here. So check us out on on YouTube for uh, to see you know our, our non sunburn this week. Don't go back and look at last week's episode because you'll see a tomato <laughs> in the spot where my face is supposed to be. That's awesome. Yeah, now you got the light, right? The ring light to make it all look nice. You had your makeup I, artist hit you real quick. Like, so I, Jack looks I a little kidding. redder than you this week now. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad we're all getting outside. Uh, so we we definitely had some big news, big week, right? Um uh, Jim Harbaugh was out protesting this week. Um, obviously, there's a lot of stuff going down, um, but we're going to kind of make our podcast kind of a, a positive space, right? So a place where people can escape from the realities of the world and just see the positivity that is Michigan sports, right? Agreed. Love it. A lot of bad, lot of bad stuff going on. Um, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Okay, yeah, great. I think, um, yeah, I think I just, the one thing I did want to touch on was kind of what you already said here is I'm glad that um, it's good to hear where that Harbaugh, you know, our football coach is in a good spot here, I think, with the players and with everything else. And um, he, he's on, you know, what I would like to call the right side of things here, um, not to get too political or anything, but there's a lot of coaches out there that have, you know, said some remarks in the past few days or weeks Um that haven't gone so well. And so to see our guy, you know, out there with his players, with his other coaches, um, you know, standing in unity with them, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, agreed. Um, so we're kind of going to gloss over some of those things. 
if anybody wants us to touch on any of them, feel free to leave us a comment or something, and maybe we can bring a guest on and address some of those concerns. But for now, we're going to pivot a little bit towards uh, some Michigan football talk, right? Um, I think we all have a list for our top five running backs. Um, now, caveat here, top five running backs since 2000. So I was going to put Tim Biakapatuka on my list. They shut me down. Didn't like that. <laughs> so, uh, so who wants to go first? I, I guess, how do we want to do this? We want to go around Robin. We want to go one to five. What's, what's the deal? Snake draft. Kinda, <laughs> what, oh, you got to explain the snake draft to me. I like, I like the way you did it last time. Is that what snake draft is? Going like five to one? Not really, but sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> Haven't you ever played fantasy football or something like that? Come on now. Dude, I don't I don't follow the NFL a lot, man. That's what I want to do is I need to I need to start following the NFL and by doing fantasy football is the only way that I'm gonna be able to do that. So this year will be my first year, I believe. All right. We'll we'll do a blue by ninety. Maybe we can do a fantasy football league and we'll we'll see if some listeners wanna join in on it and, and you can kick Jack's ass. Uh, in fantasy football, and you can tell, you can realize that like we actually don't know what we're talking about with football too. <laughs> we'll have you know us three, and then ten other listeners on there, and we're going to be the bottom three probably. Oh, one hundred percent. Love it. Love to see it. I'll lead it off. All right, sweet. All right, number five on my list. I've got Davion Smith. He, uh, during his career from 2013 to 2016, um, he had 2,235 yards, um, pretty much seemed to be hard go-to back in 2015 and 2016. Um, not really a big home run threat, but a consistent guy that we knew we were, we knew exactly what we were going to get, going to get out of him. Um, so that's what I've got at number five. Go ahead, Ro. I actually, I'll, I'll go to, I had Davion Smith as not my number five as well, um, you said everything there. The one thing I do remember about Davion Smith, he had that one run. I can't remember who it was against, but he BYU. carried like, was it BYU? He yeah. carried like ten people on his back. The whole BYU defense. That was like honestly one of the most incredible runs I've ever seen. So even if he never played a down other than that, he can make the list just for that run. Dude, I've I've, I've rewatched that clip over and over and over just to try to find the hole that he comes out of. Still, no idea. No idea how he got through there and like where he came from. But he was just—he was in the backfield, then he was in the in the big scrum there, and then he was just gone. No, I'm with you. That D. Davion Smith is legit. But my number five, I'm coming out guns blazing. My number five is Zach Charbonnet. Ooh. Wow. 726 yards last year on 149 attempts, 11 touchdowns. You give this kid a shot, he is going to put up some crazy numbers. Uh, in the, over the course of his career, I think that he could earn that number five spot, and that's why I'm putting him there. Could. Could. Hot a lot of hope there. A lot, a lot of take there. of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that right, that well. is pretty good, though. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, we can, we can go from Kalen's awful take to my number four. Um, <laughs> I've got Fitz Toussaint. Honestly, he only, he only really had one good, like, pretty exceptional year. Uh, his sophomore year, 2011, last time we beat Ohio State, won the Sugar Bowl uh, against Virginia Tech. 
but he put up over a thousand yards, averaging five point six yards a carry. And that's, I mean, big, again, based off of from two thousand, uh, he was one of the more exciting running backs that I like to watch. Um, so I've got Fitz at number four. All right, uh, my number four, I have Karan Higdon at four. So um, Karan, it felt it feels like he was the last. I mean. We had a, a pretty good chunk of time, you know, with Rich Rod and Brady Hoke and even the, the beginning of Harbaugh where we didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher, right? And so he, he brought that back. I think he was a, he was a good um, – again, he had some, some really solid runs. I don't think he was like a, you know, never in the Heisman or, or really not even like a, you know, star running back. We had more stars around him than he was the guy. Um, but, but just – the toughness that he had was awesome, you know, especially for a little guy. He he was a bulldog and great leader on the field um, and, and everything. So, um, yeah, I had Karan at four. Yeah, great pick. Um, my number four was actually Davion Smith uh, for all kind of reasons we already talked about. Um, I, and that run against BYU, uh, I'm with you. That was that was crazy. I don't know where the hell he came from. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to hear the your top three if Karan's number four. Can't wait. All right, let's hear it. Let's, let's hear you right, first, and I'll let you know. So for three, I've got I've got Karan. He was our number one guy in 2017 and 2018. Um, he had a thousand yards his senior year, which is the 2018 season. Uh, he was only six yards away from a thousand yards in his junior year. And I think honestly, Chris Evans could have been a guy that was on this list if, you know, whatever happened with him didn't happen. Um, but if Chris Evans wasn't the number two back that year and being that good of a number two back, I think Karan easily would have passed a thousand yards, maybe even gotten to like 1200, 1300 yard mark. Um, so yeah, I, I got Karan number three. All right, so I actually put Fitz at three, Fitz Tucson okay. at three above Quran. Um, and the reason is because I think that Fitz did more with less than Quran did. So Quran had I, uh, what I believe is a really good offensive line um, compared to what Fitz had. You know, if you go back to, to those teams that he was on, you know, 2011 was obviously his big year, like you said, where we went 11-2 and two and won the Sugar Bowl. But um, – he, I believe, you know, he turned out like we've talked about this on on previous podcast episodes. You know, he turned out to be a solid running back in the NFL for a few years there for I believe the Steelers and the Ravens, I think. Um, and so um, I think that he he did more with less. Where if he had a good old line and good coaching staff and things like that, he could have been a thousand yard rusher every year. But the way that the teams went, it just didn't go his way. Um, that's why I had him above Quran there. Yeah. And actually my number three was Quran. Um, so, I mean, I think we're all kind of in the same, in the same boat. Here. We close, all, yeah. we all like Quran. We all are like, he is probably one of the better running backs in our lifetime that we can like really remember. Yeah. Okay, and I love when we agree. <laughs> just just okay. makes me happy. I, especially when it's against Mr. Tomato Face, Justin Earl. <laughs> oh, you can't be talking over there today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You're going to be rubbing aloe on your arms all day today. Dude, that's what I did last night, man. I had to put a long sleeve shirt on to like sleep so I don't smell the aloe all over me. It's not, I, the, I most com- wanna... not the most comfortable feeling in the world. 
I did want to say one more thing about Fitz too at three was I believe we only we didn't have a one thousand yard rusher from twenty eleven to either twenty seventeen or eighteen. So he was that one thousand yard rusher from to uh, in two thousand eleven. So you know he was that last guy. So that's why I had him back up there. Yeah, very fair, very fair. All right, this this is tough because I almost had him. I almost had him at number one. He's my favorite, like one of my favorite Michigan players of all time. Obviously behind John Navarre, but. He was a teammate of, of John Navarre, Chris Perry. He had 3,696 yards uh, throughout his time at Michigan. Um, in his final two seasons, he did rush for more than 1,000 yards, and he won the Dope Walker Award uh, in 2003, rushing for 1,674 yards and 18 touchdowns. And then he also finished fourth in the Heisman voting that year. And he was the first-round pick, going 26 to the Bengals. I mean, that was Chris Perry was my guy. He had the 23 jersey. Oh, man, I, I just – such an athletic, speedy back. It was like – do you guys remember Carlos Brown? Like, that's what I remember. Like, he never really did too much at Michigan, but that is who I kind of, like, thought of him as because Carlos Brown was a big – he was an athletic guy, speedster, and I was kind of hoping he would kind of become a Chris Perry, but it never really panned out. Um, but that's my number two. Yeah, I actually had Chris Perry at number two as well. Um, you know, we kind of talked about this when we did our top five QBs, but when I first was really falling in love with Michigan football, Chris Perry was that guy, right? You know, it seems like he was the the last guy. You know, we've had some good running backs that we've already talked about in the past, you know, 10 years or so, but he was the last time where we were like a true powerhouse running back. Our offensive line was unbelievable, right? You know, the Lloyd Carr way. He was just that guy, and, you know, like you said, 1,600 yards? Are you kidding me? That's crazy, and and nobody gets that nowadays because everyone throws the ball a lot more, but still, that, that's a that's a wild stat. You know, you, could, you would never see that again, um, especially nowadays in college football. So, um, yeah, he, he's a great pick at number two, and, and I just, like you said, the 23 jersey, like I remember having him and Braylon and, you know, Chad Henney, John Navarre, like those guys are, are – those were the guys that made a lot of our generation fall in love with Michigan football. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you because my number two is also Chris Perry. I mean, the guy was legit. I mean, that whole team – like I feel like I remember watching those games and it felt like you heard Chris Perry's name just over and over again. Um, and then those four touchdowns to beat Florida in his last game as well. Uh, the guy was just a monster, and uh, I think putting him at number two is fair, especially I assume we all have the same number one now. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We definitely all have the same number one. I know every, everybody listening is probably going to think the same thing. But, yeah, I've got Sam McGuffey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that man. that got me. <laughs> I was so hyped for Sam McGuffey though. When he when he first came to Michigan, there was so much hype around him. And yes, I'm kidding. I'm, I don't have Sam McGuffey. He's the bottom of my list. Like not he might have, whatever. He might have been the most hyped up player like of all time. No matter dude. what, <laughs> dude. Those, those videos of him just like doing flips and jumping over is <laughs> wild. He was a gymnast football he should have just done gymnastics i mean dude he got wrecked 
multiple times. He was always getting laid out and would like fly back like 15 yards. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, how is he even getting up from this? But for real, obviously the obvious number one, uh, Mike Hart. Like I said, Chris Perry, I think, could have been there. If he would have had four years like Mike Hart did, I probably would have had Chris Perry number one because his numbers would have just been more insane than they already are. Um, but Mike Hart, man, some stats with him. His freshman year is when he had the most yards in a season, I believe. Um, and he ran for a freshman record, 1,455 yards in 2004. That was the last time we won a Big Ten title. It was a shared title with, um, I believe, Iowa. Um, so it wasn't an outright title. I think the last outright title was in 2003. Um, but, man, his, his, whole, his whole four years, that was, that was a fun team to watch. Chad Henney. Mario Manningham, I believe, was still on those teams for a little bit. Um, Adrian Arrington, all those guys, man. They were – it was just such a fun team to watch. And anybody that comes up with the little brother comment is number one in my heart, you know. So so Mike, Mike Hart is my number one, which I'm assuming it is with you guys as well. Yeah. I, the big thing for me that I love about Mike Hart is 4-0 against Michigan State. And and the little brother comment obviously led to some uh, some not-so-great years for us after that. <laughs> Um, but karma. He, he absolutely dominated Michigan State, and so you know what he deserves to. He can he can say the little brother comment, you know, like that's well deserved. Whether it you know, you know nowadays can be said or not, he could say it because he's four and zero, and so um, yeah, there, there's no question about it for me. I mean, Chris Perry is definitely a close second, but Mike Hart was just again that guy that he, you know domination as far as a, a running back we were just a, a you know we really were rbu back then you know that that's what we were that's what we were known for so um yeah i'd love to get back to those days again as well yeah mike hart i mean most rush yards little brother comment say no more right i mean the guy the guy's a legend so uh his place at number one i think is very very fair and duly duly deserved so did you guys have anybody that was kind of like out just outside of the five like i almost i was i didn't even look up his numbers but i almost put like brandon minor up there like i was gonna look into it and see if maybe he was like a top five guy did you guys have any of those where you were kind of thinking they they could possibly kind of jump in there it's funny you said brandon minor because i actually thought of him too and i was gonna put him in number five but i was like nah nah zach charbonnet man (laughs) oh man yeah, I, I think mean, Charbonnet could get there. He, he could get there. But based off, I don't know. Yeah, you could just have the best take of all year, but we'll, we'll see. The only thing that's going to hold Charbonnet back is we are we have studs. We have other studs in the running back room, right, that could take yards and, and stats away from him. The the one that I thought about, in, and I know we've, we actually had him in the quarterback, was Denard. Can you count him in this? He's in the top that's, five rushing yeah. yards. That he is, he is, and I, I thought about that one, and I was like, I just, I just felt it would be disrespectful to him as a quarterback. But he, True. but yes, he was. I mean, he was top five for all those yards, and I saw him like his name come up, and I was kind of looking at a couple, a couple other things. But I was like, you know what, Denard's a quarterback. I'm going to leave him as is. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. If Denard would have been a running back, he'd be, he'd be, he'd probably be top three. I mean, he was insane. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got the top five. He's in the top five. I believe he's fifth as the uh, most rushing yards in Michigan football history, 
which is pretty crazy, you know, with the history of Michigan football that they've had going back to, you know, the 1800s and they they beat teams like 120 to zero. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's pretty nuts for a quarterback to be even in that top five, especially with guys like uh, Chris Perry and Mike Hart, who we were talking about having, you know, thousand yard rushing season after thousand yard rushing season. So, yeah. Well, dude, do you guys remember when um, I think he set the single game record for rushing yards by a quarterback and then he beat it the next game against Notre yeah. Dame? That was like, man, I, I literally remember him running away in that white jersey just flying away from Notre Dame fighting Irish, man. That, that like, that's what I remember with Denard. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, imagine if like Tate Forcier kind of would have taken over as quarterback who was number four in the Heisman voting for the first four weeks um, of that, of that, whatever season that was. Can you imagine having him at quarterback and then Denard at running back and just blowing people away? That might be an awful take. And, and you know what? I'll just, I'll, <laughs> I'll go with it. I'm known for it, but I, I think that could have been a crazy duo, man. Fun, uh, fun fact about that Notre Dame game is I was there in South Bend and I was sitting right next to Rich Rod's wife and kids, literally hugging Rita, Rod, Rita Rodriguez um, as Denard's like flying down. And, and actually, I was right next to that's where I met uh, Denard's brother, who I'm good friends with now. And so, like, I'm like, we're, it was just a wild game. Those I remember the one where he, you know, that long run, 80 yards or whatever. That was unreal. So I, I don't. Totally disagree with that, you know, that hot take you've got there. <laughs> well, in some parallel dimension, hopefully that's that's the uh, route Michigan went down. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next topic here. Um, I heard a couple players, one at Alabama, one at Oklahoma State, uh, somehow got COVID-19. Um, what's the impact on those programs now? I mean, do they have to, you know, quarantine all their players for two weeks or what does anybody know dude i saw it sounded like it was more than just like one like it was like multiple like oh. for one it was like up to like five players got it and wow like i like honestly i wish i would have read the article so it would have been more insightful um but that would have just been too professional and you know i, I can't do that <laughs> but um i i can't remember if they said they brought it to campus or like they must or if they got tested before and maybe they couldn't come to campus because of that. But, dude, if they brought it to campus and they had it, that is not I, – I, that can't be a positive impact, impact on the college football season. Yeah, it, it seems like – so what I'm pretty sure happened – so it was five players from Alabama and then one player from Oklahoma State that has been reported so far. And really, so this is only – they were the first couple teams that I think that have reported – to right now, everyone's just doing voluntary workouts, so it's not anything like team sanctioned or anything like that. Um, which voluntary workouts in college football are the most mandatory workouts ever, right? <laughs> they they say wor- these workouts are voluntary, but so is playing time. So that's that's the old saying, but um, but yeah. So I think that they brought this, you know, from wherever they are. I, who knows where it came from, right? It it, it could have been. Uh, contracted anywhere but these guys are they are getting tested now once they get back to campus and so yeah who knows I don't know how many exactly players um, uh, reported from Bama but five of them had uh, tested positive for COVID which like Jack said I mean brutal 
you know, first thing to happen as these guys come back, just as far as the press and, you know, what it, what this means for college football. I'm really worried on, on, you know, as we keep going, you know, as as teams keep reporting to camp, as I think Michigan football is going to be June 15th, they report for uh, voluntary workouts. You know, what's going to happen there? Are guys going to keep testing positive? Like you said, Kalen, how is each team? It's going to be, you know, university by university, how they handle it. Are they quarantining? Are they, you know, just say, all right, we're done for, you know, workouts for two weeks until this happens. But it's just, I think it's going to keep happening for a while. You know, hopefully these guys are healthy enough that they won't be too negatively impacted by the virus. Um, but we'll see how we'll see how that goes. It's it's definitely not a good thing. That's for sure. No, and it's I, I saw an article from Lincoln Riley too saying exactly what you were saying, Ro, about um these workouts, they say that they're voluntary, but they're really not, right? So we really have to be, you know, aware of our players' best interests. But this kind of made me think of something that I don't know, I want to get your guys' opinion on. Um I heard something I can't remember where I saw somebody saying this, but if you're a guy like Trevor Lawrence, right, why would you not just say, you know what, I'm the best QB in my class. I'm just going to sit out the whole year. I mean, honestly, people were kind of saying that for him last year. Like, sit out. His and there was no year. coronavirus. Right. Like, I was like, dude, you know you're about to get paid. Just like... Go on vacation for two years. Go live in freaking like Hawaii and get an agent. And like the NCAA can't like do anything to you because you're not playing, right? Unless it can have some effect on the team, dude. I don't know. I I think that'd be a smart move for him because the only thing that can happen is he can get hurt and then he loses his money. But yeah, no. Know. And uh, I mean, I know last year they asked him after. Um, after the college football championship series, um, they asked him, like, are you going to come back and play, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I'm here to play with my team, and I'm competitive, and I'm going to play, right? And, but that's a totally different story after COVID. So I kind of look at guys like that, and I'm like, dude, there's really no reason for you to put yourself in harm's way. Just sit out. That's, I think it's not a bad idea. If you're, if you're a top five guy right now, there's really no reason to play it. And we've seen that, you know, in college basketball too, you know, um, the guy that played uh, was going to play at Memphis and then he got sanctioned and was going to have to sit out for half the year. He just said, okay, I'm just going to sit out forever and just go to the NBA then, you know, (laughs) same thing's going to start happening in college football. If if a guy like um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, has that great year, it's going to happen. One of these guys are going to say, screw it. I'm just going to work out at IMG Academy, you know, for two years or something like that. And then I'll still be a top five draft pick. And so now, like you said, with everything going on, what if he gets COVID and something happens to him? You know, that's millions and millions of dollars lost because, you know, if so- if something happens like that, you know, he could drop in the in the draft. And so I don't see for a lot of these guys why they should play this year, which is, you know, a sad thing. Obviously, you know, we're a pro football co- uh, podcast here. We want football to happen, but it, it we're here for the safety of the players as well. And and so, um, I mean, the, the worst possible scenario in this situation is 
these teams start coming back, and then a player or a coach unfortunately passes away from the virus, right? That That's worst possible scenario. And so I think that it's, it's just going to be a tough situation to, to maneuver through here for the NCAA and these universities because guess what? You know, these players are, are 18 through 22 or 23. They're probably pretty healthy and, and they could get through the virus. But what about, you know, a guy like Don Brown who is in his late 60s, you know, what if he gets the virus? There's there's a lot of older men and, and women around the um, around these teams that, that you could be afraid of, of, you know, negatively being impacted by this virus and not making it through. So it's a, it's a tough situation um, for everyone to navigate through here. And then especially once you start talking about guys voluntarily, um, you know, sitting out, that's going to be it's going to be just wild. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think let's kind of angle that question back towards Michigan, right? Do you think there's anybody in Michigan football or even Michigan sports that should sit out? Top of my mind, I'd say no. I mean, I'd say maybe Isaiah Livers, but he's even a guy that after people looked at him this year, he's not even on the top, was it 75 players? So he, he's a guy where I'd say he, he needs to play. He needs to be able to show that, um, he can get into that top 75 or whatever number that is. And as far as Michigan football, I mean, both of our quarterbacks haven't proven themselves yet. They need to play. Um, and I can't think of anybody else that might be a standout that that would have the ability to sit out, maybe Cameron Garone. But other than that, I can't really think of anybody that it would be better off for them to do that when they're trying to pursue a professional career in sports. Yeah, I mean, there's not. We don't have that top five quarterback or running back or even lineman at this point. You know, we have some good standouts, but nobody's penciled in at that spot yet. So I don't see anybody. You know, maybe Franz Wagner and on the basketball team and Isaiah Livers, like Jack said. But um, you know, those guys will probably get drafted. Who knows? I it, it's tough to say, but. Um, they they would maybe get drafted in the twenty twenty one draft. I don't think about I don't think the twenty twenty draft. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But I yeah, I don't see anybody in in Michigan athletics that would sit out or be able to sit out and just say yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna make my money. Yeah, maybe maybe Jalen Mayfield though. People have him penciled in early as a first rounder. That is true. Yeah, that that could be one for sure. Yeah, it's a tough question and something we don't want to think about, but that's why we're here to ask the tough questions and give you bad answers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yep. Give us the tough questions, we'll give you bad answers. <laughs> Always. That should just be in our bio. It <laughs> <laughs> <You> really should. <laughs> New slogan. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our last topic here. Um, I heard something, I just saw it on Instagram about Michigan may be scheduling a game with LSU in the future here. Does anybody know any more about this? No, I, I saw what you saw. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've, we've seen it in the past. Michigan doesn't really schedule cupcakes in the beginning of the season or for non-conference games. They try to go after um, pretty solid programs and, you know, play good teams to be able to prove ourselves, which, you know, has hurt us in the past record-wise. I mean, we can go back to – 20, I believe it was 2018 when we lost to Notre Dame first game of the season. And then we go into, I believe that Ohio State game 10 and one, right? We're, we're, we could have been undefeated going into that game. Um, 
So I could definitely see it happening. And, and honestly, don't get me wrong. I love getting hyped up for that, that, you know, exciting gaming in the, in the beginning of the season. Um, but honestly, I'd like to see us go undefeated. So I'd, I'd rather play a cupcake, but, but yeah, it's exciting as hell, man, to see a top program like LSU possibly coming to the big house or us going there or playing in Jerry's world or whatever it may be. Um, I'd love, I mean, it'd be, it'd be a fun game to watch for sure. Yeah, I think that the only way we should do it is if it's a home-and-home. Home. I, I don't want to go play in Jerry's World again. We've been there, done that with Florida and with Alabama. It, it's it's cool and all, but there's nothing like it, – it, it doesn't compare to playing at home. And for LSU to come here, that would be the you know one of the most hyped-up games ever, right, of Michigan Stadium. And then if we went down to Death Valley – First of all, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> we would get our ass kicked, <laughs> but uh, but still, it'd be it'd be a cool environment, cool thing to see. We, you know, it, it'd be that if it's the first. I'm love sure to travel that, to that game. Oh my god, that would be unbelievable! <laughs> but a um, little southern hospitality down in Baton Rouge—that'd be pretty <laughs> sweet. Um, but I still think you know. What's the benefit as far as actually trying to win a national title there? You know, it's a cool thing, but where does that benefit us as far as trying to go 12-0 and 0 and get into the national title picture? We've already got a juggernaut on the last game of the year that we haven't been able to beat. Why would we put a juggernaut at the, on the first game of the year? You know, like even Washington this year, I think is, you know, it's a cool thing, but we're going to Washington, and so then you can, you know, possibly start out 0-1. When Alabama is probably playing, you know, Sister Mary uh, School of the Deaf and Blind season, or game one, you know, like it, it's it's just not I, I don't it, it's cool. We, we'll make a lot of money for the department. You know, it, it will have a lot of eyes on us. TV deal will be prime time that first game of the year. But it's like if we're the goal is to win a national title. Right. These games are not helping us win a national title. Yeah, I mean, do you think we should just schedule cupcakes then? Because, I mean, isn't a little bit of, like, Notre Dame's claim to fame that, like, we only play prime time and we only play great competition, even though they play a bunch of ACC schools. But, um, I mean, do you think we should just schedule cupcakes then? Yes, 100%. (laughs) Give me all the cupcakes. (laughs) If if we were able to prove that we could beat an LSU team – then I'd say, yes, let's schedule them. We haven't even proven that we can beat all these teams in the Big Ten. So the fact that we're looking at it as, you know, I, I we're not on that on their level yet, right? So if we were in Alabama or Clemson or in Ohio State, then, yeah, let's play these. It'll be a fun game. We could definitely get the W, which helps your resume. But where our program is at right now, we can't beat an LSU. Um, we can't beat a, a Washington, or we can't beat a Washington. We can't beat a Clemson. We can't beat an Alabama. So why are we scheduling what I, what we would be slotted in as a loss already? You know, if we're trying to win a national title. Um, yeah. Now that I think about it, there's really no benefit to it, right? Because Alabama doesn't play those games. They play in a tough uh, a tough conference, just like we do. So I mean, playing easy games get those easy wins and then play in your tough conference. And they've already established that Alabama can do that and get into the college football playoff. So why don't we just do that and do the same thing? hundred percent use it as a spring training. I mean, there's no benefit to a power five conference team to do that. 
Now, if you're a UCF and you play that game and you win, then maybe that helps propel you into a New Year's Six Bowl or, you know, they'd have to have some big wins against good teams to get into, a, into the playoff. But for a Power 5 team, it looks much better to go undefeated playing cupcakes than it does playing, you know, a really good team at the beginning of the year and losing. That that loss is the mark is the stain on your season, right? Where nobody even looks they if you go twelve and zero, trust me, nobody's looking at the front of your season saying, Oh, they only beat, you know, Middle Tennessee State by thirty. You know, nobody's looking at that. So it it's just it doesn't uh, uh, yeah, there's no the the risk is definitely way more than the reward there. Um, the other thing too is like you know everyone's like, oh, Jim Harbaugh versus Ed Orgeron. This is gonna happen in like 2032, right? You know they schedule these games for like 10 years out. So who knows? You know unless it's done in the next five years, who knows where either program is at once we get to that point? LSU. Outside of this past year, national champs, obviously, they've been that nine and three, ten and two team, just like we have. So it's kind of you, you never know where the where the programs are going to be, or where college football is going to be at that point either. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's a good topic, and uh, I, I'm all for scheduling the cupcakes now that we've talked about it at least. Um, <laughs> let's let's roll into our zero to ninety takes here. Um, getting towards the end of our episode, so let's let's get some good takes here, guys. You guys got something prepared, or I'm ready. Yeah, right. we're good. We're good to go. Jack, you went last last week, so I'm gonna make you go first this week. Number one for number one. All right, let me know. Let me know. Let me know when to go. Your 30 seconds for your zero to 90 take begins now. All right. So Kalen put. Zach Charbonnet as his number five top running back since 2000. I'm going to have a hot take and say Blake Corum, once his time is done at Michigan, will end up as a top three running back for the University of Michigan Wolverines. Whoa, dude. Nate is wow. just about to call you on the phone and tell Shout you. Out my boy, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, we love Blake Corum. Dude, that video he posted jacked out of his mind dude he's a monster <laughs> and he's what 19 like that if you get him in a in a uh a college weight program here he's gonna be a bowling ball because he's a, he's a little guy right he's only like 5 10 something 5 9 something like that like so yeah he's, he could be a stud for us he didn't look little in that video oh man <laughs> like a little tight when I say little, I mean short. There you go. Okay. <laughs> His arms were bigger than my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ro, you're zero to 90. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Your take begins now. All right. So 23 of 24 offensive players with eight or more starts under Coach Harbaugh have signed NFL contracts. And 26 of 28 defensive players with eight or more starts under Harbaugh have signed NFL contracts. Go to Michigan, and you'll go to the NFL if you start there. It, it is a top-five program to get players into the NFL. Let's go. Yeah, that's. I can't even argue. That's true, man. That's Come on. Good. Come on. I think Cam put that up. or Somebody put it up, but I saw Cam shared it. 
And I was like, man, that is insane. Like, you never would think that. But there's, what, three out of those numbers, three or four people that have started for Michigan and not gone to the draft? Or gotten, was it, is it played in the NFL or gotten drafted? It was signed NFL contracts. So okay. There are, still, yeah. That's still amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, that should be an ESPN talking point. Right? But they'd rather rip on Harbaugh for anything at this point. But, I mean, when you think about it, like, we have a lot of studs, even from the past three years, that are starting in the NFL right now. Devin Bush, like, rookie of the year. Chase Winovich. You know, and I think a lot of the guys that got drafted this year are going to get serious playing time. Um, you know, those 10 guys that we had drafted, they're going to get serious playing time here in the NFL next year if it happens. Yeah. All right, Kalen, you're 0 to 90. I don't have a stopwatch here. Ro, do you got, you got something for I, me? I got it for you. All right, Kalen, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm going to try to imitate your voice as much as possible. Your 0 to 90 starts now. Okay, make the big house loud again. One of the things we need to do is we need to make the band better. Honestly, whenever the band's on the field, I'm like, okay, time to go get a snack or use the restroom. So we need to make the band way better. I think that could be done by bringing in a live artist to make a performance along with the band. My suggestion, Migos. Let's play some Bad and Bougie. Let's play some, you know, Walk It Like I Talk It. Let's do some really fun stuff that makes players want to come here and play here. Yeah. And done. Let's go. <laughs> That's amazing. Migos past zero to ninety takes of the entire time. That's that's beautiful. beautiful. Sure. I mean, they're best friends with Harbaugh, right? Dude, sure. yeah. Harbaugh was flexing the chain and the and the the watch and everything. So let's do it. That'd be amazing. They they legit come around like just to watch practice quite often, honestly, with no like appearance or anything. They're legit fans. It's kind of crazy. So let's get them in center field, in the center of the stadium. Just you know, oh, that'd be so fun. I'd love it. That would that would be incredible. I'm sure the the donors and all the people sitting down <laughs> would really love that in Michigan Stadium. Perfect, perfect. Maybe maybe they'll make some noise then. <laughs> even if it's booing I, I'd, I'd rather hear some noise from them <laughs> something right it's so quiet in there yep. <laughs> alright well that was some good 0 to 90s guys uh, awesome takes um, well anybody got anything else that they want to put out there the last thing I did want to say is we have a plan for the NBA to come back end of July, right? So we're oh, nearing right. the end of the tunnel, everyone. We're so close. We're, sports are starting to come back. Hopefully that goes seamlessly and everything that we talked about with COVID earlier in the podcast um, you know, starts to, to get better and better. But we, we're getting closer and closer. Quarantine's over here uh, in the next few days in Michigan. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Keep chugging through. We'll enjoy the summer, and then sports will be back sooner than you think. Yeah, so thanks for checking us out at Blue by 90 Podcast. Don't forget to uh, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Blue by 90 and on YouTube at Blue by 90 Podcast, I believe. Um, so we hope you enjoyed the show, and go, go Blue. Go Blue. Yep. Go Blue. If one more label try to stop me, it's gonna be some dread. It's in your life, be. Huh, huh, you know.
Dread. 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 Dread.